You're listening to Audio Theater in a Darker Shade. This is DarkerProjects.com. And now our feature presentation. To a precious few, it was a paradise, a haven from the hectic pace of the real world. To others, it was a nightmare. Nothing on this quaint island is as it seems. Beneath the tranquil lull of the ocean and the beautiful gardens, Dr. Nathaniel Lothman carved out a project based on Dr. Sam Beckett's theories on time travel. Hungry for the power to reform history to his own liking, Dr. Lothman integrated himself into the project and became Lothos. As his staff work to his ultimate goal, their lives are held in the balance. Still vigilant to be who they are in a complex where danger lurks around every corner, their secrets lie buried and passions rest dormant. But for how long? Last time on Quantum Retribution. Don't overreact, Siren. Being too exacting wastes time, and it only serves to make you angrier as the day wears on. This isn't level one correction, just an adult version of how I handled several of your cut-up sessions as a child. So just relax and go about your routine like any other day. Siren. Yes, sir? Remember. It's just another day. I will. I love you, Daddy. Daddy? Shut your mouth, Mr. Conroy. You'll draw flies. Now I want you to stay off your foot for the next two days. No walking. Period. Seeing as how you have your own private carrier service, that shouldn't be too difficult. Dr. Hugan, couldn't I use a wheelchair? A wheelchair? Well, what I mean is, I, I, I don't want Trevor to hurt his back because of me. I don't think you need a wheelchair, Siren. Wheelchairs are for those who really need it. And trust me, Mr. Conroy's got a good, strong back. Oh, uh, good morning, uh, Miss Lotherman. Trevor... Mr. Conroy is helping me to my desk, Mr. McAllister. But he will be at his desk in just a moment. Is there anything else? Mr. McAllister? Uh, no. No, I, I guess not. Uh, I'll just, uh, I'll just get back to what I was doing. Good idea. Well, my best friend came waltzing in here with you in his arms this morning. That's a whole lot more interesting. Just what the hell have you two been doing? <sighs> Trevor.
Mmm. Oh, this is so good. Glancing across the room at the man she had to beat out for the title and position of Senior Leaper, Joanna wasn't at all surprised to find Vaughn Ricard's dark gaze fixed on her. Even when you don't say a word, you can be a real pain, Vaughn. You're just oh so sure that you're going to win. Oh well, just don't order your business cards yet, Mr. Ricard. I'll just take my coffee back to my quarters so I can enjoy it without being studied like a dissected frog under a microscope. <sighs> Still over an hour until it's time to report back to the hall for the next challenge. Leaving so soon, ma'am? Did you want to take the rest of your coffee with you? Okay, I'll put it in a takeaway cup for you. There you go. That'll be two dollars. Thank you. You want your coffee to go too, Vaughn? No? Okay. Two dollars, please. Watch your back, Joanna. Whatever you do, honey, don't trust him. If intimidation is the game you want to play, Vaughn, by all means, I can play it too. No sweat. But I bet you do. Now, where is that dress? Hmm, here we go. Oh, yes. Not a whole lot to this dress, but it'll do. Oh boy, is it gonna do. Seven fifteen, seven sixteen, seven seventeen, seven eighteen. Ah, lucky number seven nineteen. Planting himself squarely in front of Joanna Royden's front door, Vaughn lifted his hand to knock, but his knuckles never touched the door as it suddenly swung open before him and he saw... Oh, what he saw. It's right there. All you have to do is reach out and... No! Damn you, Joanna! Whoa, what's going on? Joanna, get hold of yourself, girl. No, go back inside. I... I want to taste his lips, just once. What am I? A fly pinned to a wall? Isn't he going to do something, anything? Are you just going to stand there, Vaughn? Don't you feel it, even a little? Just brush your lips, what could it hurt? Just, no, damn it, Ricard. Get a grip. Okay. All right, Joanna. One point to you. This time. Me? Have feelings? 
For Von Ricard? Me? No, no, it, it can't be. I do not have those feelings for that arrogant ass. I, I don't. I don't. Uh, what time is it? I'd better get a move on. Just enough time to get back to the lecture room. He's got something all right. And what he's got is me. Damn. Damn. Damn it. got you. Oh, God, it hurts. Here's your chair. Go ahead, sit down. Careful, mm. easy. Are you all right? Yes, thank you. Yes, Mr. McAllister? Dr. Hugin is here to see you, Siren. Thank you, Mr. McAllister. Please show Dr. Hugin in. Keep your seat, Mr. McAllister. I know the way. <laughs> to be a fly on the wall in that office right now. Releasing the intercom button, Siren saw that Trevor had knelt beside her chair to check her foot. S Stop! <laughs> that tickles, Mr. Conroy. <laughs> I'm not tickling your foot. Well, it sure feels like it. Put my foot down, please. <clears throat> oh, dear Lord, what he must be thinking. Dr. Hugin, what can I do for you? I'm more than a little upset with you. Xavier called me just a few minutes ago to tell me that he discovered you hadn't taken your shot this morning. Oh, just dandy siren way to go. I remember having this very discussion with you 12 years ago, siren. And up until this week, you've never once missed taking your injections on time. Not once. Now, in this week, you've forgotten twice, one of which resulted in a diabetic seizure. If I have to start taking time from my own schedule, or assign someone to follow you around every day to make sure that you take your medicine, then I'm not the only one you'll answer to. You'll answer to Lothos. Am I making myself clear? Now roll up your sleeve. I'm sorry, Dr. Hugin. Things were just hectic this morning, but I promise it won't happen again. I don't want to have another seizure. I've had more than enough in the last few days. Okay. But I'm holding you to that promise. Yes, sir. I shouldn't have to remind you, Siren. You're the one that ends up paying for it if you forget. Damn it. Why did he have to leave her office door open? Oh well. I'll be right outside if you need anything, ma'am. Anything at all. <laughs> <laughs> 
Peter Hugan had always known there was a darker side to Dr. Edward Grant. That had been borne out when Edward had attained his rank of TM before he got his medical degree. For Peter, seeing Dr. Grant smile and wink at Tala reminded him yet again of how adept Edward was at hiding his darker nature from the unsuspecting. So when the other doctor finally returned to the small office, Peter didn't hesitate to follow him. When their gazes met, there was no mistaking the thinly veiled challenge in Edward Grant's black eyes. Straight and plain. Stay away from Tala, Edward. You don't know enough about her to know what you're letting yourself in for. She's old enough to make her own decisions, Peter. You have no right to speak for her regarding her personal life. Or for my personal life, for that matter, Dr. Hugin. As for not knowing her, I delivered her. I've cared for her throughout her life, so I dare say know every inch of her. By those facts alone, Peter, I dare say that Taylor Lotheman is more my patient than yours. Don't be so sure of yourself, sir. Besides, first and foremost, she is... Don't patronize me, Peter. I know who Taylor Lotheman is, and I know what she's capable of. So if and when I choose to have a relationship with one of my patients, whatever form that relationship may take, it will be our decision to make, not yours. As Dr. Hugan turned to leave, Edward pulled out a single sheet form and across the top of the page, in large print, were two words, correction order, and held it up for the other man to see. I trust we understand one another now, Peter, because I would hate to have one of my best doctors placed in correction for insubordination and insolence. Don't you agree, doctor? Now, don't you have some patience to attend to, doctor? As you say, sir. <laughs> Lothos had watched and listened to the encounter between the two doctors. He took careful note of Hugan's attempt to indicate certain things to Edward Grant about Tala. He also noted the manner in which Dr. Grant had summarily brushed off whatever it was his colleague had been about to say. Unbeknownst to the overly confident Chief of Medicine and Surgery, it was that attitude which cast Edward Grant in a decidedly unfavourable light in his master's view. Yet, unless or until he crossed the boundary that Lorthos had already set in stone where his daughters were concerned, the super-hybrid man-machine computer decided to bide his time and watch to see how the situation played out. For the time being, Lorthos took careful note of what Peter Hugan was muttering under his breath as he resumed his duties. I can't do anything to stop you right now where Tala's concerned, Edward. But I am not about to just drop this and forget about it that easy. I'm paralyzed. I'll never walk again. And it's all the fault of that bastard Calavici. I don't recall anyone being in that bed when I was awake before. Who is she? Tala? Lothos treats her with kid gloves all the time. But what's she doing sharing my hospital room? I don't understand what he sees in her. 
Why doesn't Miss Olivia want me to talk to him? He was just being polite. If it wouldn't mean getting in trouble with Miss Olivia, I'd get up and walk right over there and talk to him. Ah! Oh. 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 Damn you for doing this to me, Calavici! Are you alright, ma'am? Ma'am? Do you want me to call the nurse? Where's your cop? Oh, here it is. It's fastened to the bedroll. It appears you're not as impervious to punishment as you let yourself believe, are you? Who gave you the jaw marks? I don't know. I don't remember who I am. Don't remember anything. Except for a few faces. I don't even know where my clothes are. When when I woke up all I had on was this towel. You're positive that you don't remember anything at all? No, ma'am. Nothing. Hearing the squeak of a chair, Tala turned her head, looking for the source of the squeak. She heard the squeak a second time, and it was then that she looked across the way to see Dr. Grant leaning back in his chair once again, watching her. She blushed and turned back to the woman on the bed. Boy, is he so handsome. Who? Him. Dr. Grant. I can't explain it, and I can't help it, but I'm attracted to him. Listen to me carefully, Tala. Stay away from Edward Grant. He's a very dangerous and cruel man. He'll only hurt you if you get near him. No, no, that can't be. He looks like a pussycat. Looks can be deceiving. (laughs) Look at me. Tala, look at me. Do I look like a woman who has murdered over 20 people? You aren't that kind of person. Oh, really? I can tell. (laughs) Believe what you like, Tala. But it's the truth. What's more, Edward Grant is far more dangerous than I. (sighs) Where is that? Damned oxygen mask. Here it is. Let let me help you with it. I hope that helps. Yes. Yes, it does. Tala, what are you doing? I told you to stay in bed. If you must know, she was helping me because I refused to be tended by Dr. Grant. Whether or not you want to be attended to by Dr. Grant isn't the point, Dr. Malvison. I gave this woman direct orders for her to stay in bed, not play nursemaid to you. Well, now, how was I supposed to know that, being unconscious and all? Do as she says, Tala. And I suggest that you, Nurse Robinson, find Dr. Hugin and let him know his patient is awake. I will notify Dr. Hugin that you are awake, Dr. Malvison. After Miss Tala is back in bed and situated. Is there a problem here, Miss Robinson? Thank you, no. Everything here is under control, Dr. Grant. Tala, get back into bed and do not get out of it again until you are told otherwise. 
Do you understand? But she can't fend for herself. What if she needs help and no one is here? I can help her, can I? It's only right to do that for another, isn't it? Yes, of course, it's the right thing to do to help someone in need. However, Dr. Malvison has a call button to summon help if she needs it. She'll be fine. I shouldn't have yelled at Lothus. Who's Lothus? Lothos is our master. He's everyone's master in this complex. As for those welts on your chin, well, they obviously must have come as a result of your insubordination and defiance toward Lothos. Count yourself lucky, my dear, that a few welts are all you got. I I didn't mean to be so bad. But he hid things from me. He didn't have to... Why did you give me up, Mother? No, it can't be. She can't be one of the children I gave birth to. Why, Mother? Why did you give me up? Didn't you want me? Standing in the doorway, Edward Grant couldn't help but grin at the situation unfolding before him. After a moment, he shook his head and returned to the office to finish his paperwork. Chuckling under his breath as he went, Edward had to admit that, judging by the prickly start of the mother-daughter bonding process between Tala and Zoe Malverson, future familial encounters between the two women held high promise of fiery entertainment. (laughs) I saw what I wanted to see. When Olivia left the room to have Dr. Hugen paged, Zoe covered her mouth and nose with the oxygen mask and forced herself to calm her breathing. She had to think clearly, to decide what to tell Tala, but the words wouldn't come to her. Those words, her daughter, ricocheted madly through her mind. Now, looking across to her daughter, Zoe felt something she'd thought she'd never dreamed she would feel. Regret. Tala? No. No. Tala, no! Tala, you come back here this instant! Tala! chance would have it, there was no one near to stop Tala's flight. At the elevator, when the doors opened as if on cue, she rushed inside. As the doors closed and the car began to move, she slid down the wall, then hugged her legs to her body and rested her forehead against her knees. Such was her distress, she didn't look up when the elevator came to a stop and someone entered. Thank <laughs> you. 
please just leave me alone. Lothos, why the hell didn't you tell me before this that Tala was my... our daughter? Damn you to hell, Lothos, talk to me! How could you not even have recognized that she was your daughter? Tala is so much like you, my love, it's uncanny. I am not your love. (laughs) You were at one time, otherwise we wouldn't be discussing one of the products of our passion. Oh, shut up, you bastard. Zoe. Where's that damned wheelchair? I have to find her and talk to her. I think that it's time to let her come to you, Zoe. You've had ample opportunity to find out who your daughters are, yet not once since their birth have you so much as asked if they were even alive or dead. Not once. Now that shoe is on the other foot, it's going to be most interesting to see if Tyler will want anything to do with you. After all... You were the one who gave her up, not the other way round. I never asked because I wasn't given the chance to express a change of mind. I didn't ask about them because you've practically forbade it. If I'm guilty for not asking, then you, you arrogant bastard, are just as guilty for not telling me. After all, you are their father. Don't cross that line, Dr. Malverson. You are correct. I am their father. And I have been there for them when you were not. I have watched over our daughters, provided for their needs, and I will continue to do so. It's a shame that you didn't want that opportunity, Zoe. Not even from afar. Yes, there were hundreds of times that I wanted to ask about them, but... But every time I wanted to ask... I was afraid that my asking about my children would have been considered insolence, you arrogant bastard. (sighs) Damned if I did, and damned if I didn't. Either way, damned. You've been listening to Quantum Retribution. Episode 111, Mixed Signals. Featured in this episode were David Alt as Lothos and the Announcer, Rich Matheson as Vaughn Ricard, Jean Hildy Fulgen as Joanna Rodin and Inla, Chris Stadler as Edward Grant, MJ Cogburn as Tala and Siren Lotherman, Shane Harris as Trevor Conroy, Darren Marler as Alan McAllister, Kim Janopoulos as Zoe Mavisi, C.E. Crowick as Olivia Robinson, Seth Adam Shear as Peter Hugan, and yours truly, James Leeper, as the production announcer. Quantum Retribution is written and produced by MJ Cogburn and C.E. Crowen. The executive producer for Darker Projects is MJ Cogburn. The art was done by James Leeper. Theme music can be downloaded at sounddogs.com. Other music was performed by Kevin McLeod and Kaya Hardwick. This is James Leeper. This has been a Darker Projects production. Visit us on the web at www.darkerprojects.com. Thank you for listening.